0: all right welcome to another episode of bare bones my name is mason west doctor of physical therapy and today i am lucky enough to have another doc in the house it is my pleasure to introduce dr michael Risher, chiropractor extraordinaire a little background in before we get him fully introduced he was a division three all-american defensive back at wheaton college as a senior there there he also competed completed excuse me his bachelor's degree in applied health science and then. After graduation, accomplished a lifelong dream of riding his bicycle from San Francisco to Boston. I could never do that. That's insane. And earned his doctorate of chiropractic with clinical excellence honors from Palmer Chiropractic College West. Currently owner of the rehab lab in Chicago, Illinois. And you may not realize it, but he has had a hand in the rehab and performance training of a good number of professional athletes, specifically some of your Chicago Bears. How are you doing, Michael?
1: I'm doing great. Having a, a great Thursday, um, you know. Busy day at the office, but you know, excited to be here.
0: So I'm going to start this off with a, a pretty big loaded question. Uh, what is your philosophy when it comes to working with your clientele?
1: Yeah, so uh, I essentially have buckets that I place people in. Are you in the pain bucket where we have to get you out of pain, or are you in the performance bucket where we're taking what you're doing now and looking at how we can uh, improve that? So. Um, anytime someone comes in, I kind of place them, categorize them in one of those two buckets. The goal is to get people from that pain bucket to get their pain healed and then put them into the performance bucket. Part of the performance bucket is minimizing injury risk, you know, making sure that that nagging injury doesn't come back. Um, and then whatever their athletic goal is, whatever their, I mean, maybe their goal is just to be able to play with their kids, you know, without being in pain when they bend over to pick them up, how can we improve that performance. So that's kind of my philosophy there is how can we get you from that pain model into the performance model? And then what can we do to improve your performance in whatever you happen to be doing?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that's something that I always I'm dealing with too, right? Like that when those two buckets start to meld together and where, where that line is, uh, how do you you personally deal with it when someone might get stuck kind of bouncing between those two?
1: I try to identify goals. Um, What's your goal for for the, the athletes? Is your goal to just be able to play on Sunday, or is your goal to be you know better in three months from now and not have any setbacks in three months from now? And and whatever the goals are, that dictates how quickly we progress things. Because if someone kind of is bouncing back and forth, like okay, I'm feeling better, I'm feeling better, and then you know little bit of injury sets him back. It's like, okay, maybe we're looking at this in two micro of a scale. Maybe we're looking at this, um, and something where you want to be better week to week so that you can do something next week. But if you zoom out and look at your year and look at your life, maybe it's much more important to really, you know, work on the pain side of things for three, four, five months, and then you'll be able to really hit your performance in stride and not, um, fluctuate back and forth. So I think, looking at what the, what the true goals are and then kind of zooming in or zooming out based on what their goals are. That's, that's how I've typically done it. And that when people can change their perspective just slightly, um, that's really where we see them, you know, start to get it rehab wise.
0: That's awesome. I absolutely love it. Uh, when when you look at your, your social media or, you know, I've had an opportunity to work with you a couple of times, which has been awesome. Uh, you always push fascia training and that's something that a lot of people don't understand, have no idea what that concept is. Can you dive into what that truly means for someone like your everyday individual, then obviously else leading to some of your high level athletes?
1: Yeah. So if you think about, well, first fascia is, uh, it's a connective tissue that's highly innervated. It surrounds every single uh, piece of your body. So if you take away all of your bones, muscles, organs, blood vessels, everything, and just leave the fascia, you'd have a perfect outline of your body. Um, the other thing that you'll notice about fascia is it's continuous. So where one muscle ends, bicep starts and ends fascia is continuous along the entire arm. It does not end. It's continuous. And so that's kind of the, those are the defining features of fascia. And so, uh, the way that I like to talk about it is if mus if you, if you picture your body as a car and muscles are your engine muscles, what's make what makes you go, the fascia is your suspension system, and so what we're doing is you can go strength train all you want. You can have them build the most powerful engine that you want, but if your suspension system sucks, then you're more prone to car breaking down. Then you're more pr- prone to injury, and your performance actually decreases. So what we're looking for with fascia training is to you know work on neural pathways, um, collagen tissue formation, and how can we tune up your body's suspension system so that you know, there's no leakage of force as you're, uh, as you're accomplishing tasks. There's just continuous flow, uh, from foot to glute, from glute to ab, from abs to shoulders, like whatever that chain happens to be. How can we tune up your, sus- your suspension system so that there are no energy leaks?
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, when, when you're dealing with someone, you know, it again, doesn't matter if it's a high school athlete, college, or I mean, even someone who just wants to play pickup basketball on the weekend, right? Uh, we often get asked. I know, I know, I do. I'm sure you do too. Like, what is athleticism? How do you train that? So, for you, what is your definition of athleticism?
1: Um, that's a that's a tricky one because you look at someone uh, that's maybe like a weight room warrior, and you'd be like, wow, that that person's a freak athlete. Um, and then you'll look at someone who maybe they've never touched a weight in their life, but they are balling on the basketball court and you're like, wow, that's a freak athlete. And so I think athleticism is, um, really your body's output, your body's maximum output in the sphere that you want to be in. So you can be an amazing football player and be an incredible athlete. You can be an amazing power lifter and be an incredible athlete. So I think um, when we think of athleticism, we have to look at what is the desired expression, and the desired expression um, is how we measure athleticism.
0: Oh, okay. like, like it's like you're saying, it just flows in and out of what that individual wants to do. Um, when well, how would you look at it then for someone who can flow in and out of multiple different sports through different planes, someone who can go from weight room to football field, but then at the same time go to a bowling alley and somehow still you know almost bowl a perfect game?
1: Yeah, that I mean that's where you get into the the freakiest of freaks because you can be a very good athlete and be really good at one thing, but when your athleticism transcends a bunch of different spheres. That's where that's where it gets really really exciting to work with you. There's a, I find that there's a big mental component to that too, and I know we're going to talk about Justin, but you go out and you watch Justin play football, and you're like, wow, this dude's a beast. Then you watch him in the weight room, and you're like, dang, this dude's a freak. And then he'll go out and he'll beat everybody at bowling. And so it's like, all right, well, and, and you know he's playing in the uh, he's playing on uh, you know a, a Puerto Rican team. He gets recruited to play a port on a Puerto Rican team for baseball when he's uh, when he's in youth baseball, and so it's like you have this athlete that is going to be one of the best in the world at whatever he picks up. It just, it just matters. All that matters is what he decides to do. So I think when you find someone that's truly a transcendent athlete, I think, you know, you know, there are a bunch of guys like that. LeBron's like that too. That's where you see like, okay, no longer are you just a very good athlete in your sphere, but you are like a super athlete.
0: And then, so, Kind of the other side of that, back to that original bucket, um, what would you say is the biggest paucity, the biggest gap when it comes to, let's say, uh, training athletes, right? What are they missing the most? And then kind of opposite side of that coin, is there really any, any such a thing as injury prevention?
1: Yeah, so uh, I want to touch on the injury prevention real quick because I think <laughs> injury prevention is a myth. Uh, And you and I have talked on this, you know, a handful of times injury prevention is a myth, especially in sports. There are so many outside variables. And so I much prefer the term risk mitigation or or injury risk mitigation um, or injury like sports preparation. Anything other than prevention, because prevention is, you know, hard stop, like, no, this won't happen. But mitigation means we're decreasing the chances that this happens. There are too many many outside forces in football to say, oh, you'll never get injured. We're preventing your injury from happening. But if we prepare your body the right way, then we can say, you know, we're drastically reducing the chance of you getting injured in this game. And that's very important. Um, Anyone that's preaching complete injury prevention is preaching something that that doesn't exist. Um, And then, you know, as soon as you get injured, as soon as you get injured and someone's saying, oh, we're doing injury prevention stuff. Oh, you must not have done our stuff the right way. You know, and then now it's oh, it's my fault that I didn't implement what you're saying, right? Because I get injured. No, that's you know, that's obviously not true. Um, so that's my thought on on injury prevention. I don't know if you have anything say to say it add again there.
0: for those in the back. It's such a pet <laughs> view of mine, and I'm just I just need you to say it too. It's it's catchy. It's
1: just kind of a sexy thing to say, but it you know, injury prevention and full like full stop prevention. That's got to be a myth. And we're, our goal is to reduce risk. And that's the, you know, that's the best thing that we can do. Um, and then the, the initial question is kind of what do, what do most, most athletes need? What are they missing? How do you, how do you, uh, you know, determine that I've actually, uh, kind of found a sliding scale of athletes. Um, and again, you get the transcendent athletes when they cross multiple, uh, spheres of this. So like Khalil Mack fits every characteristic of, of both ends of the spectrum. And that's what makes him such a transcendent athlete. And so I think it's this sliding spectrum of you have fast and twitchy, but tight or slow and a good mover. Right. And yeah, I know you, I know you can identify like where someone's at along that, that scale. And so what we want to do is we want everyone to be a Khalil Mack, right? We want everybody to be a Khalil Mack. We want you to be explosive, fast and move well. But if you are here and you are like, I am explosive and twitchy, then, but I don't move well, then it's like, okay, well, obviously we work on the mobility. And if you're here and you're like, I move really well, but I'm not explosive, then we work on your explosiveness. As soon as you start to fall into the middle category, which is, you know, everybody, then it's like, all right, what is your goal? If you're a wide receiver and you're slow or, or on the slower end, maybe we need to focus on explosiveness and, and top end speed. Or if you're a wide receiver and your hips suck, maybe that's what we need to focus on. So again, and we're going to go back to what we said at the beginning, it's what is your goal? what What is your position? What is your goal? And then where do you kind of fit on that scale? And that scale helps us identify the direction we need to move you in to kind of widen your ability to perform. We want you to be explosive, twitchy, and move well.
0: I'm really glad you said that. It's... It's always tough because you'll have someone come in and they say, well, I want him to give you the laundry list of stuff. And it's like, all right, well, you don't really fit this, 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 or this. You know, you can't, you may not be able to do everything. Let's enhance Mm -hmm. the things that you absolutely can do that you can be like, you know, Excel A plus at. And then the other things might be able to be kind of that secondary aspect. And it's hard for, I think, a lot of fans to understand that too, because they look at these athletes as these monumental figures and understanding that within the athlete, there are these spectrums. There's fast and then there's light hella fast, and you may not be hella fast. Right. So moving on, another kind of definition question. This is coming up a lot right now with, you know, Justin being having the game that he had last week. And, you know, some people are going nuts over it. I'm one of the nuts people right now, now, fawning over what he did. And then you have Mm -hmm. other people who are saying, great, that's, he's a running back. What is your definition of a quarterback in today's modern NFL?
1: Yeah, I, I think, um, what I think, I mean, I think this is uh, fits within a broader uh, spectrum of question is I think the NFL is moving more towards an amoeba like offense where everyone does everything. And so I think the future of quarterback, if you cannot use your leg, like the era of just being a pocket passer is dead. Like Peyton Manning's don't come around. Tom Brady's don't really come around. You look at, I mean, who are the, who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now? And every single one of them they may not be a four, four guy, but they are a running threat, even down to Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers may have lost a step or he's not as fast, but he's always been a guy that can use his legs. So I think if you're, if you're looking at, you know, a quarterback is just someone who sits back and is a pocket passer, you are no longer looking at an NFL quarterback. Everybody has to be able to use their legs in some capacity. And if you can't, you're not necessarily going to fit into this NFL. Um, and so anyone that has a problem with Justin Fields running the ball a lot, it's just because you haven't caught up to the times of this Amoeba positionless football where Cordero Patterson can be a running back, where he can be a kick returner, where he can be, you know, a wide receiver, where Debo Samuel can line up at any position, where George Kittle can line up at any position, you know, you're missing the evolution of football to where everyone has such a well-rounded skill set that you're able to use them in a bunch of different spots. If Justin Fields can't run. You know, he's got less of a chance of success in the NFL because he has to avoid these, you know, defensive linemen that are breaking through the offensive line at a rapid pace. You know, you have to be able to use your legs now. So a a quarterback is someone, you know, who can run and throw the ball. Most of the wide receivers cannot throw the ball. Most of the running backs cannot throw the ball. Quarterback (coughs) may not be, you know, a a nuanced power back or, you know, but they are someone who can, who can run, have to run, and then are all also able to, to throw the ball accurately.
0: Yeah, for me, it always boils down to that, that phrase, evolve or die, almost, right? Where the NFL is evolving. And if you refuse as, what, as a commentator, as a coach even, or what the case may be, to evolve along with it, you're going to get left behind. Because guys like Justin are going to start changing the game. <laughs> Disabled.
1: Absolutely. Even guys like Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is,
0: you know, he's not the fastest
1: guy, but he is going to run. He's going to score rushing touchdowns. You know, you're you are if he gets outside of the pocket, you always consider him a threat to tuck the ball and run. He's not as much of a running threat as Justin. But, you know, there's again, there's different people on the spectrum. So look at the guys that look at the guys that can't run Matt Stafford right now. He's not having a great year. Teams have, you know, started to figure him out in in some capacity. You know, and and just because he has Cooper Cup doesn't mean that that team's going to have crazy success. Tom Brady having a rough year. All of these quarterbacks, all of these teams that are are playing well have a quarterback that can run and move in some capacity.
0: Absolutely. And I may be understating things, but Chicago finally by and by extension, the national media has caught that Justin Fields fever, I would say, you know, who is justin is he the same guy you see during the press conferences because he seems like a pretty almost solemn guy (laughs) it's very serious and then you catch those glimpses on the sideline where he's joking around you catch a little Mm -hmm. glimpse on the social media uh whether it's him posting or someone else where you see that smile (laughs) finally crack so who is Justin?
1: i mean i would say he's he's the same guy that, that you always see like i just saw a press conference whatever today or yesterday or something where you know they open up to questions and nobody's got a question. He's, he jokes with the media like, all right, you guys don't have any questions. Am I done here? Like that, that's sort everything. Of but yeah, there'd be days where, you know, we, it's, it goes 30 minutes and we just don't talk and it's totally fine because he's, you know, you know, I'm working on my craft. He's studying whatever, like he's, he's super intense. He's super intentional. Um, but like when it comes down to it, he's, he's hilarious too. Like he's, you got to, you maybe have to get him in the right mood and stuff, but he's, he's super funny. He'll mess with you. Uh, he'll, he'll rib you. It's, you know, awesome, awesome guy. And, and I think that's one of my favorite things of working with all of these Bears players is all of them are awesome guys. There's not a single person that's like, nah, this this guy sucks as a person. Like they're all great people. And I genuinely enjoy every, you know, time I get to work with them. Um, but Justin, same guy you see, even keeled super intense. Um, and then, you know, as you get to know them, as you, you know, start to have fun with football, that, that goofy side, that fun side starts to, to pop out as well.
0: I think it's fair to say for any profession, right? If you're, I don't know, if you're a plumber and every time you go to this one job, that there's this leak that just won't stop. And it just, oh, every day of dealing with it, like, yeah, you're going to come off as probably a little cranky sometimes. Or you're going to be frustrated because you know, you're good at your job, but for some reason mm-hmm. it's just not working. So when things start flowing and that leak stops, things get better. Right.
1: Absolutely. And you've seen, I mean, this past game looked like the happiest I've seen Justin on the sideline, you know, they didn't win the game, but the offense is having a ton of success. And then you look at the defense and it's vice versa, all the defensive guys who started out, you know, that game against the Patriots, everybody on defense is having fun. And then now you look at them and it's like, well, shoot, it's not, it's not fun to get destroyed on defense. It's not fun to get destroyed on offense. You're what you see on camera it's going to be dictated a lot by what's happening in the here and now, like that that's, that happens to everybody.
0: And now what we're going to do, we're going to throw up a clip that everyone just absolutely loves, right? And this is played yeah. a thousand times. Uh, there are so many little things that go on in this play. I mean, you and I talked about a couple of them uh, off camera a bit and, and throw this up right learn through, and then we're going to break down some of the things that happen in here that, that Justin's able to do. Yeah. Look how comfortable I am with my technology. <laughs> I, it's just, and then just, geez. it's just freaky. So, so let's look. That, right? let's look back. What? So, what are, you, what are you like? What are you working on that has just led to? He was built in a lab, but what are you guys usually doing on a day-to-day, weekly basis that that leads to plays like this?
1: Yeah. So we're, uh, we're doing a ton of spinal rotation. So if you see his ability there to, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to create torque here and then I can, instead of like, I can throw the ball, but instead of throwing the ball, I can also generate that torque into downfield momentum. Um, So we do do a ton of med ball tosses um, that kind of just help his expression of power right there. He's got a ton of power torqued up, but Nope, I can control that. I can bring it back in and then translate that getting vertical downfield. Um, the other thing that we, we work on is we do a lot of jumps into runs. So his like, okay, I'm, I'm in the air into a dead sprint. That's something that we do on a weekly or or every other week basis, like that little hop in the air and hit the ground running. That's not his first time doing that. Obviously, you know, you can't, um, you can't do every single in-game scenario, but we've done that sort of stuff before where it's like, all right, single leg bound into a sprint or lateral jump into a sprint or, you know whatever the whatever it may be so I, I think in these situations you default to your your you know your level of training and if his if his body has done these things before he's more efficient at you know converting them on field and then you talk about just it's not like he has to juke he's just weaving in and out he's got so much power in his legs and then we were our big focus is on uh, top speed for him. So we make sure we're tracking his top speed, make sure he's breaking 20 miles an hour every single week in practice. Um, and if he's not, then he gets his top speed uh, sprints in as well. And that's why he's able to, you know, hit this long speed like he does. Um, so so really that that rotational power, that transfer of force from, you know, throwing to running and then th- that ability to, to just get up field, those are all, like focuses. When I, when I saw that play and I watched the replay, I was like, Oh yeah, none of that is surprising that he's able to do all of those things. I've seen him do them in his basement, you know, obviously in a very controlled setting and he just put, he put it all together in a, a mindless effortless flow state where it just, it just flowed out of him and his body defaulted to, you know, his base level of training, which, you know, I, I, I feel like he's in a really good spot with.
0: And then the other thing we we totally looked at, too, was I loved this view just because it shows what you see from a lot of those top-level, like, for example, sprinters. You'll see hurdlers who are in the Olympics, those people who have that amazing cervical control. When you look at how little his head moves, he's able to maintain that torso position on this straightaway run. There's no loss of power here. It's, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. And our, a big thing that we've been working is, on
0: is pretty astounding. Like just that he can just translate that.
1: The, a big thing that we've been working on is that, uh, that thoracic CT junction mobility. So, uh, so if you, if you, you know, ever look at him in a, uh, you know, when he's not in pads, he's, he's pretty up high, he's got big traps and, you know, he's pretty, pretty up high. So we've been working on that mobilization up here so that when he runs, he's not, you know, high and tight, that his arms can be nice and loose. And you see that translate beautifully on that run. Um, we're working on, you know, his suboccipital muscles regularly. So he's got great proprioception up there. We're working on improved range of motion and then controlling that range of motion in his uh, thoracic uh, spine, as well as his CT junction. So, you know, it, it's fun to see him excel at the things that, Hey, you know, he's, he's just a freak athlete. Like nothing I'm doing is going to make him able to do that, but what we're going to try and do is make each of those plays easier.
0: One well, one thing I didn't, I didn't send you this question. So I apologize ahead of time, but I'm throwing okay. this question, but you see it all, all the time with uh, a lot of these guys, when they are talking about some alignment, I know Justin does, you know, have the, has has ankle tape on there. And they're like, a lot of people think, okay, cool. That's it. I'm going to have my ankle taped up and wear like a, a high rise shoe, something of that nature. How important is it still for someone like him to work on that, that foot, the intrinsics, the stability, the mobility and flexibility of those ankles, even though they're locked into, you know, the tape or whatever what may have you?
1: I mean, he trains barefoot all the time. Like we don't wear shoes uh, all off season when he was down in Atlanta. He was training barefoot. So he's he's it's supremely important. And he knows that, uh, you know, there have been a handful of conversations that we've had where he feels like, just the foot training, just the foot to glute, um, has really helped him, you know, minimize the risk. And in some instances, definitely prevent an injury An injury, not injury generally. But in some instances, he's like, no, I know I felt this and I know that what we were doing here directly impacted this play and, and, you know, influenced me having a much less severe injury than I, I could have had. So there's, You know, he's training barefoot regularly the whole offseason. He was training barefoot. It's super important for some of these guys to, you know, for all these guys to maintain full foot function.
0: Again, thank you for saying that. I'm always I'm constantly talking to my patients, right? Especially some of those higher level athletes. You know, Mm -hmm. you need to be able to connect to the ground with your foot uh we shoes yeah. nowadays are the worst thing they've ever been i mean yes you can get some good ones but a lot of us don't we like the the fancy nike's or the jordans mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be that just don't let your foot do what it's supposed to do so you know the fact that you're integrating that and the fact that he's feeling it that that's even better right the fact that he can just feel so locked in uh to to the ground and to what he's doing with his own body yep. And
1: I'll give you these four guys will, anytime we train, we're doing some form of uh, a barefoot training, even if it's, you know, on turf Darnell's catching jugs. There'll be times where he's catching jugs and he's just barefoot. Anytime we're, we're doing like actual weight training, he's barefoot. Eddie Jackson, anytime we're doing any sort of training, he's barefoot. David Montgomery, he's barefoot. You know, all of these guys that you see, you know, remaining fairly uninjured, if they get an injury, it's, you know, they bounce back pretty quickly. They're doing a lot of barefoot training. Um, at least anytime I'm with them, you know, we we don't wear shoes. So that's I I I think there's a, you know, a non-zero chance that that's that's helping their performance and, you know, reducing their injury risk.
0: And you just said, right, injury prevention is a fallacy, injury mitigations the way that we're mainly going. You know, with the increase in scrambles, QB design runs that Justin's been doing, what are some of the things that y'all are doing to improve Justin's injury mitigation? You know, especially for an athlete that's just that powerful.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we're uh, I mean, he's not taking any unnecessary hits right now. That's the biggest thing is he he knows when he needs to take a hit and he knows when he should not take a hit. And he did not last year. And his body was feeling it. And we talked about it. And he's like, yeah, I I know exactly when I need to get down. I'm not I'm not trying to take any of those hits. Um, The other uh, the other piece is, you know, we're doing soft tissue work three to six times a week. So it's not like it's not like, oh, yeah, I just finished a game and my body feels fine for the next week. It's like, it could be monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday and then you go play your game sunday and we've done something every single day some weeks less than but the amount of work that he's doing on his body not even just with me like he's he's seeing me you know and, and he's doing a bunch of uh, of other stuff everyone you know goes and gets their massages and stuff but like the amount of the amount of time and energy and effort that he's putting into his body to recover each week is absolutely insane. Um, and, you know, I think there's a reason that he's significantly healthier this year um, is because he's, he's fully taken that seriously and realizes that, you know, and I hear this on the radio all the time, like, Oh yeah, Justin's longevity, Justin's longevity. And it's like, you don't understand how good his body feels at this point in the season. After how many games are we in? Nine, 10 games yeah, we're after 10, this 10, 10, 10. many I mean, going into week 10 for his body to feel where it's at right now is absurd. Like I I cannot, I cannot describe to you how good of shape he is in at this point in the season. And they still have a bye week like people that are obviously freak things can happen, but people that are like, Oh, it's going to, what's up with Justin's longevity? Like he's totally fine. There's nothing like there's nothing to worry about outside of, you know, you, you can, again, you can never prevent injury if they're, you know, freak freak things happen, but like he's not putting himself under extra wear and tear by his play. He's, he's, he's just not.
0: And so obviously this is going to be different for, Every sport, every individual person, position wise, is going to be different. What is, in your opinion, what is the optimal schedule for these kinds of extra workouts during the season? Is it more about maintenance for you, or are you really still adding in a lot of those extra functional strength, especially you know they already have their practices, they have their training sessions, they're doing, Mm -hmm. and they're doing this extra stuff. So what, how do you view that?
1: Yeah, so uh, so last year I called uh, Bobby Stroop, who works with Patrick Mahomes. Um, and he kind of gave me Patrick's, uh, you know, in-season training schedule and what he does. And so Justin and I last year we were like, "Hey, do you want to do that?" And he said, "Absolutely." So we put him on the exact same training schedule as Patrick Mahomes. Um, this year, they've changed uh, some things just within the organization. So I actually have to do less. I really like this this uh, strength and conditioning staff. I really like um, the stuff that they do. Last year, I had to we, I had to have him ask for his top speeds every week. Now they provide that all for the guys. Like everybody knows their top speed during the week. Everybody knows their top speed during the game. And that is something that we chart just to make sure we're, we're doing enough. And obviously when he runs 21 miles an hour mid-season, you know that, you know, he's hitting the right amount of volume. Um, so like this new staff has been absolutely phenomenal. And they kind of, they asked Justin, what did you do last year that worked really well for you? And how can we incorporate that? So they took some of the some of the stuff that we did last year that we had to add in extra or I said, hey, Justin, you have to go get extra sets of this. And they've incorporated that into his schedule. So right now, his schedule looks like a Monday lift with the team. Uh, That's a lower body a Tuesday uh, with me, if he's not too sore, then we do a lot of concentric, a lot of flush, a lot of things that you can do minimal volume, get a pump, but not leave you feeling too sore. It's really the eccentric part that leaves you feeling sore. So a lot of sled pushes, a lot of sled drags, just that concentric part. Um, and then we'll do some you know low-level plyos, uh, making sure he gets some jumps in, making sure he gets some med ball tosses in. Um, and then I believe it's Wednesday or Thursday, they have another lift, and then if by Friday he has not hit three top speed reps in practice, he has three top speed sprints where he's, you know, hitting top speed. If he's hit 20 miles an hour plus already in practice a couple times, then he doesn't need to add any extra because he, you know, they do run those run plays with him. But if he hasn't had that volume, then on Friday he hits his, uh, he hits his extra three sprints and then, um, and then he's good Saturday, Sunday, Monday lift again.
0: That is that's like so cool. And it's it's awesome that you know what your input was able to translate a little bit. And one of the biggest things I just took from that too is and you hear this you know floating around all the beginning of this year, how much of the bears bought into Justin. I mean they're asking for his opinion, they're integrating that into the, the system and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Sounds like they're pretty damn bought in.
1: I, I would I would say so. I mean, I, I haven't had any conversation with uh with anyone there, but I just based on what everyone's telling me, they love the staff. And you no, know, I, I think the staff can't help, but love Justin. He's putting in all this work and he's improving like crazy right before their eyes. And, you know, whatever's going to make his body feel the best, that's what the organization is going to have the most success with. And so I think, you know, adding in, even if it's just an exercise or two, even if it's just making sure you hit a heavy set of back, you know, that's and making sure that's just incorporated once a week, then, you know, that's a very, very simple thing to do to make sure that you you know, your quarterback's operating optimally and then and then i don't have to you know he doesn't have to go in and do any extra like all the volume is so so utterly controlled that it's like all right what can we do that won't affect your volume that will just give you just enough stimulus to you know keep improving physically
0: and so you touched on that's really the first time we've talked about anything more upper body like heavily we talked about the neck and, tor- and the rotation a bit mm-hmm. in terms of thoracic spine but you know you talked about back what about shoulder? What do you, what does it look like maintaining, you know, shoulder health, uh, especially mainly limiting throw. It's like, yes, he's not ripping off 70 passes a game. I think Mahomes had like something crazy, like 64 last game, which is nuts. Um, but like, what, what, what does that process look like for you guys?
1: Um, yeah, so we'll do, you know, we'll do a little bit of shoulder health. He's really good about doing a ton on his own. So I don't, I don't have to add a ton more than, you know, let's get some mobility and let's stretch you. Let's make sure that you're, rotator cuff strong. I do reactive muscle testing. So we'll test, uh, the reactivity of, of muscles. And, um, and so we really just kind of check function, check function, check range of motion, check soreness. Um, and then, and then go. So it's, it's kind of like an ongoing, how does he feel throughout the week? Maybe, you know, on Wednesday, he threw a little bit more and we got to do a little bit more work on shoulder. So it's not anything, it's not anything that's like set in stone. It's how does your, we'll, we'll do an objective range of motion test, Does your shoulder have that range of motion that you need? Great. Where are you sore? Okay. Eliminate that. And then, um, you know, keep moving on.
0: So you mentioned range of motion. What, what range, how much range of motion does he need?
1: Uh, He's got, I don't know how much he needs. So he has a ton of, he, he needs a lot of internal rotation. So if we, if we find any restriction, most of the time it's in internal rotation. So you watch him, he gets a ton of torque on his shoulder. So he's, I don't, I don't know exactly. Um, he's, you know, at at least at 180 degrees, uh, of, you know, shoulder, um, rotation. I don't have the exact numbers because it's, you know, at at this point, it's a lot more based on, um, feel for him. Yeah. But like his internal rotation is the big one that like, if there's, if there's a restriction just because of how he throws and how much internal rotation and torque he gets, that's the one that we have to make sure, uh, you know, and really for all throwers, but just if you look at at his range of motion um, and how he throws and how he loads up his shoulder, that internal rotation has to, you know, remain adequate. If the, if the internal range of motion suffers, then his throwing motion will suffer. And you know, he's he's fine, he hasn't had that issue. But that's that's the big one that I make sure that we check is like,
0: does he have that adequate internal range of motion or internal rotation? So- so so happy you brought that up in terms of the internal rotation i don't know if you've ever had this but i've had a couple uh throwing athletes come in and they're always you know they've talked about previous places they've looked at my external like this is my range of my external rotation external external Mm -hmm. it's like it's fine you you have fantastic external rotation that's not your problem you need the internal rotation for the end of that torque range and so thank Mm -hmm. you for highlighting that it's 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 great to hear
1: yeah And, and yeah for for all throwing athletes but like when you we have the for for nfl players we have the benefit of pictures and slow motion and replays and stuff. And you, so you can see what ranges these players need most. And then you can make sure that those are adequate and that control is there. And, you know, it, the, the the video that we have is, and, and pictures that we have is, you know, incredibly useful for, for this job.
0: Oh, it's, it makes it so much easier, right? Um, and so right now there's a, there's been a big shift, I would say, in the health community, whether you're talking about personal trainers, you know, chiropractic, physical therapy, what the case may be, where there's such a heavy emphasis now on flexibility and mobility, what is your personal definition of flexibility versus mobility? And then how do you integrate that into some of your sessions?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I think flexibility is great. Uh, just how far can you stretch? That's awesome. Like you need access to the range of motion to have that, but Uh, mobility to me would be how do you control that range of motion? And so whenever we do something flexibility wise, we make sure that after you gain the range of motion, you can now control your body in that range of motion. I know, you know, FRC, um, just one example of, can I control my body at end range? It doesn't matter. I mean, if you can, if you can throw your arm back as far as you want, that's awesome. But if you don't have any strength in that, In that range, then your expression of that range of motion, it means nothing, right? You have to be able to express strength in that range of motion. You have to be able to express your body and your sport in those ranges of motion. And so anytime we do that, it's okay, yeah, sure. Passive stretching can be a super helpful tool. But if we passive stretch and then you don't have control over that newfound range of motion, then you're opening yourself up to injury. So it's always, you know, control in the range of motion. While range of motion gives you access, you need control over that
0: access. And kind of kind of final thought here with Justin. What separates Justin as an athlete, a football player, and ultimately as a person?
1: I mean, his his work ethic is absolutely insane. Um, all professional athletes work hard. I'm not going to say that there's anyone out there that doesn't work hard at what they do. Some of them work incredibly hard, harder like above and beyond the call of duty. And so Justin's really putting in Justin's putting in more effort than 99% of people in the NFL in my opinion. I I've, I've worked with a lot of NFL players. They all put in effort. I think Justin is in the top 1% of NFL players in effort. Um, the other places, his aptitude is incredibly high. If he learns something, if he learns a range of motion, he can mm-hmm. describe that back to me. He can describe how he's going to implement that. And then he can recount to me later how he felt that same range of motion show up in a game. And so his aptitude his mem- like, like everyone has a different definition of intelligence, whatever you know. IQ, EQ, however you want to measure it, his aptitude, his ability to remember something and then put it into practice. And then after the fact, describe how that felt. That's that's different than a lot of people. Um, he has, he's, he just very much implements and then revisits and then implements and then revisits and implements and revisits. And that, again, is one of the things that puts him in that that upper echelon of effort. Um, and, you know, I think I think that shows on the field, the more and more reps he gets, the better and better he gets. Um, And then he's, he's also very, uh, you know, I'm not going to say like, he's a really great critic of himself. He's not out here trying to sugarcoat what he does well um, versus what he doesn't and only focus on what he does. Well, he's, you know, working on the things that he doesn't do well and he understands you know, his own shortcomings to the point where he's actively trying to improve those. And as you can see, he is actively improving those things. Um, So he's not someone that's just going to sit back here and be like, no, I'm I'm a better athlete than everyone. I can run around everyone and I don't have to worry about passing as well. I don't worry that have to worry about the shorts intermediate routes. I'm like, hey, what happened on this play? And he's like, oh, my timing was wrong on XYZ thing. And that's a footwork thing that I need to get figured out or, you know, like, there's always a thing where he's like, no, I didn't do this right. And I'm going to improve that thing. And then you, you watch him improve just like he said he would.
0: You, I think you see that all the time with, with athletes of all levels where, especially when you've always been to the best in the room, it's really easy to look outwardly and say, well, this is where they didn't do it. This is where they didn't do it. It's, it's refreshing to hear that he's constantly looking inwardly. And I, and you are right. You're seeing that on the field. You're seeing that translate and the fact that you're getting a front row seat to that on a daily basis is, is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
1: And that's not to say that other people can't improve. You know, he recognizes, his teammates recognize, like, everybody has that room for improvement. But a, you see, at least outwardly, you see, like, a lot of criticism of teammates in the NFL. He's never going to be one that criticizes his teammate. He may say, hey, they did this, I was expecting this, or they should have done this. But then there's also the same, but I need to do X, Y, Z thing, right? You can, you can acknowledge that someone else needs to improve while not dismissing yourself. And I think he does an excellent job of that. Um, So yeah, I think he's, I think he's, you know, I I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of him as a a player and as a
0: person. Final. And I think most important question, how badly do some of the guys beat you when y'all go bowling or do you, can you hold your own? Uh, It kind of
1: (laughs) depends. It kind of depends. Darnell is very good. Justin is very good. David is very good. Um, so I know I know David's taken a couple lessons. Um, they all have their own bowling ball um, and stuff. So you know, these guys are very good. I'm 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 much less consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, on any on any given game, I may have a chance to compete with them but if we play if we play three in a row i'm not going to win all three i'm not going to you know they are going to beat me more times than i'm
0: going to beat them okay well at least at least you're you're showing up and you're actually getting put in to your, your <laughs> all and there's a couple of games you might steal right there's always the one
1: exactly exactly and I, but here's the, here's the other thing i work with a handful of professional bowlers yeah those do. guys are legit there's a 13 year old that i work with and he's you know already starting to compete in these uh, professional bowling, uh, these these PBA tour um, tournaments. And you want to, you want to talk about Justin and and Darnell and David, like being good bowlers. This guy will never lose to any of that. They won't come within, you know, 30 pins of him.
0: That is so cool. And he's 13. Love when you see that. And there's just so much room, right. For more growth. If if he, if he wants it.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, he's, you're going to, you're going to hear about him. Uh, one day the black unicorn is is his name Joss Weems i mean i cannot i i know this is a bears podcast but like maybe the most impressive athlete that i work with is joss weems uh as 13 year old bowler is just you're going to know about him um, you're you if even if you're not a bowler you're going to know about him in a couple of years
0: I may have to start a little bowling segment at the every other week or something like that but uh, oh, yeah. thank you so much I th- i'm throwing your twitter information right here uh, as well as Instagram, if you're not following this guy, you absolutely need to. He's got good nuggets here and there when it, when it, that he throws out, when I saw you had the one tweet, uh, something along the lines of, you know, a lot of times I'll start a tweet and then just delete it. And it's like, man, I wish you just sent more of that stuff. Cause I love your content, both on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, if you're listening it that's at Dr. Risher uh, for Twitter, Instagram is Dr. Michael Risher. Uh, and then where else can people find you? Where can they work with you and your amazing wife? Cause she, you work directly with her too, right?
1: Yeah. So, uh, so my wife is also a chiropractor. Um, we have the, uh, rehab lab, Chicago, um, downtown it's in Bucktown. Uh, and you know, hopefully we'll be expanding locations at, at some point, but you can check us out at rehab Um, love to work with you. You know, if you have injuries, if you want to work on performance, we'd, we'd absolutely love to. And then, uh, I do have my online training program. Uh, it's called movement code and we basically took all of our fascial training that we do with athletes and in office and put it into a, an online, uh, program. So even if you're not in the Chicagoland area and you want to do some of this training, these exercises are, it may not be the exact workout that, you know, Justin and Mooney and Eddie are doing on like a day-to-day basis, but all of the exercises are ones that I take those guys through. And then in, in the off season, this is, uh, essentially the training program that I, uh, I put through when we're doing fascial training. So, um, I use it with my pro athletes. I use it with, you know, my moms who just want to run a 5k and, and it's awesome. So if you do want to work with me, um, and you're not, you can't get to to the office. I do have that online option now, which is, uh, it's a ton of fun.
0: And that's, and I can say firsthand, you know, I was, I had a scapular, a rib issue that I just couldn't get to. I couldn't deal with on my own, popped in for a session and, you know, took care of it pretty much right away you know it was awesome it was a great experience and you know anytime that i have something that pops up like that i mean dr richard is my first call so so, (laughs) i appreciate it absolutely um thank you so much for popping on this was amazing i know everyone's gonna love listening to to this and you know hopefully we're looking at a win against the lions right
1: oh yeah absolutely count it right now chalk it up
0: All right. So again, if you want to see some of the visuals we used on here, check out the YouTube channel. If you want to catch us later and you're on the road, check out Spotify, iTunes, all the places that it's located. But uh, bear down, everybody.
1: Bear down.